0: I believe Derek Carr is a tricky body, best quarterback in the world.
1: In the world? Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I don't know who we were speaking of on that clip there, but I mean, come on. Tricky body. Tricky body? He doesn't have a tricky body.
1: No, not at all. He's on he he a lot is of hair, though. Like, can't, can't shave that head anymore. <laughs> no. My God, they keep winning in overtime. <laughs> Better keep growing
0: it longer. Yeah, he's got to have the flowing locks like uh, Aaron Rodgers. ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, mm-hmm. Tyler, and Jared. Here we go. The first bite.
2: Maybe just 100.9. Oh, that's
0: right. If you're listening, which I guess you wouldn't be.
1: You wouldn't be able to hear us on AM this morning. We're no. only on FM because of uh, who knows why. I, we got a lot of emails, <laughs> a lot of words I did not understand this morning. But we're only on FM this morning, which doesn't help you if you're listening on AM. I was you can't say, hear us.
2: we're announcing that, and yet no one is hearing Hey, it. we did our job. <laughs> True. Are the Raiders being disrespected after their 3-0 and start?
0: I just can't say they are because they've been to one playoff in 17 or 18 years. So don't you think it's these people who make the odds are kind of waiting a little and saying, okay, we don't know if we believe it yet.
1: Last year doesn't matter, Ed. The last two decades don't matter. Wait, the last two
0: decades don't matter?
1: (laughs) Irrelevant. So, all right. So a couple numbers for you. First off, uh, football outsiders, they do a weekly sort of update playoff odds or chances that any team goes to the playoffs. The Raiders currently have a 59% chance to make the playoffs after a 3-0 start, but that's only third best in the AFC West. The Broncos actually lead the division with an 82% chance to make the playoffs. The Kansas City Chiefs uh, have the second best odds at 65%. The Raiders slightly behind them at 59%. And then maybe the one that's more disrespectful. The Raiders have the worst odds To win the AFC West according to BetMGM. So the odds at BetMGM right now are Kansas City minus 175, Denver plus 350, the Chargers plus 475, and the Las Vegas Raiders at plus 550. So even though they have won their first three games of the year, the Raiders are still viewed as the least likely team to win this division. I don't know. Jacksonville, the Jets, who the Broncos played? Haven't played anybody. Eighty two percent to make the playoffs? Yeah. Who have they played? Yeah, I agree. They haven't played, they haven't any played anybody. But I so here's here's the the logic or the reasoning behind this. The Raiders have not exactly played particularly well no. in these games. Like they have won these games, but they have won two home games in overtime. And in both games, as we talked about yesterday, they have made a lot of plays to lose those games. The other team just made a couple more plays to lose the game. So it's not as though the Raiders have been a, like, dominant team through their 3-0 start. Whereas, if you take the Broncos, for example, again, the competition is not very good. But the Broncos have been fairly dominant in their three wins. Like, all of their stats so far through three weeks are very good. Whereas the Raiders, I'll give you a... expected points added one of my favorite stats the raiders right now offensively 17th in the league in expected points added they're 10th defensively in expected points added that's sort of a slightly above average nfl team if that plays out for the rest of the season
0: all right so explain to people expected points added because i know there's people saying that
1: every play like we have we have history the football right and we have histories of hey from this down and distance a team scores this percentage of the okay. time okay so every play is measured by all right. You got to that down in distance. What percentage chance are you to score after that play? And
0: the opposite with defensively, right? Is we give up points right. this
1: percentage of right. the time, right? And so EPA is basically looking at the offense and saying that's been an average offense so far this year. It's looking at the defense saying, yeah, on a per-play basis, it's been slightly better than expected this season. So it's basically just measuring each play and how much value each play is actually added. It differs. It's going to differ a little bit from actual points because you have things like a pick six from Derek Carr and stuff like that that changes what the actual stats look like. But it's a good measure of what a team will be in the future. And when you're the Raiders, even though you're three and zero, your expected points added being 10th on defense, 17th on offense does not suggest you're a top 10 team.
0: Boy, there's a lot to that. There is a lot to that. I just think they're 3-0. <laughs> I'll give you
1: another fun stat on expected points added. The Raiders' offense this year, in the first half of games, 27th in expected points Well, they keep added. falling down 14-0. In the second half and overtime this year, they are third in yeah. expected points added. They're the best overtime team in the league. <laughs> that is is two and over and over it is That is an yeah. accurate statement. no question. The, and Brian Edwards is the best overtime yes, receiver. Yes, he's the best, receiver best overtime receiver maybe ever. Yes. <laughs> Never mind this year. So, but the the reasoning behind why the Raiders are not very high when it comes to odds or not very high when it comes to playoff chances, it's because of how they have played these games, right? The 3-0 start is very good, but when you're actually trying to predict the future and you're looking at how they have played, how they have won, it's not really been impressive wins so far. So when you're trying to predict the future, there hasn't been much the Raiders have done that suggests, oh, they're going to keep... Winning these close games.
0: I'm wondering what's a bigger surprise to people that they're three and zero, or that after three weeks, Kansas City only has a 65% chance to make the playoffs.
1: It seems low. Yeah, for them. But they are yeah. one and two.
0: Right No, I'm saying before yeah. the year, if I'd have told you after three games, they're either three and zero or Kansas City's not even going to have a 70% chance yeah. of making the playoffs. Well, I might have gone with Kansas City. Charges were 80% last week.
1: To make the playoffs and then they lost to the Chargers. So, significant drop just from that one loss to, to the Chargers. But yeah, no, it's, I mean, they're one and two. They got a shot here. I mean, the all the other one and two teams I'm just looking through here are below. Well, 50%. they're way below, they'd yeah. be below Kansas City. Uh, Seattle's the next best one and two team. They've got a 48% chance to make the playoffs.
0: So, three and 0 gets you the fourth best odds at winning the division.
1: <laughs>
0: which. I wonder if any of the other well, I don't. You, you know this. I don't know if any of the other three and O teams are picked last to win their division. My guess would be no. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head. The three and O
1: teams. Um, Carolina's three and O, but Atlanta's in that division, so they're probably okay. ahead so they're of not Atlanta. L. A. Uh... Uh, and Arizona are both three and I think you could make the yep. argument that Seattle and San Francisco finished ahead of Arizona. Right. I don't think I don't think Seattle's any good. I don't think Seattle's going to end up doing very much at all. But are they better than Arizona? That's possible. Maybe. Uh, who am I missing? Denver? Is Denver the only other 3-0 Denver's team? 3-0. We know what they're yeah. at. And they're they're ahead of the race. I think that's it for 3-0 teams. So. I mean,
0: I know Denver, like you said, it's two things. One, the schedule's been weak. And two, they have been pretty dominant. But I think we both... I'm pretty sure we both picked the Chargers to finish second. Yeah. So I'm sort of surprised after the Kansas City uh, win that they're that far behind Denver in terms of at least winning the West.
1: Yeah. So after three weeks, I don't think I would change how I think the AFC West finishes. I think we still end up seeing Kansas City one, Chargers two, Raiders Mm -hmm. three, and Broncos four. four. That's my expectation. Broncos have been better than expected. Teddy Bridgewater has been better than expected. Raiders have also been better than expected, at least in the win-loss column. And the Chiefs have been worse. But it's three weeks in, and I fully expect there to be a correction over the course of the next 14 I, games. I mean, I look, I, I'm
0: overreaction. What is it? Tuesday, you now overreaction Tuesday. But they've already taken care of Kansas City in Kansas City. I'm not going to sit here and say I don't think that the Chargers can't make a run at it. And they've already won the one game where most in those divisions lose every year, except if you're the Raiders taking laps and buses. <laughs> so they've already taken care of the hardest division game. Um, we'll see if he, if Herbert keeps getting better and it's going to be hard to play like he did last week, every week, obviously, because he was terrific last week. They're just, to me, they're kind of a sneaky good team in terms of they could win that division. I don't know. You know, people are saying, oh, I can't believe you're saying that because it's Mahomes and Kansas City. look. They're one and they're excuse me, they're one two, and Pat Mahomes hasn't played very well. No. He hasn't. Sorry. And he's and we talked about it the other day where Pat Mahomes, what makes him great, what makes him terrific, are some of those throws that you said yesterday, you know, no one else can make. But he's made two of those in both losses that have led to their
1: loss. Arm punts. Other problem for the Chiefs right now, through three weeks, they are last in defensive expected points added. So they're just giving up. A, oh, they're bad defensively. Yeah. so oh, yeah. Like they've, they've, <laughs> they have not been a good defensive team ever since, like when they've had Mahomes. They haven't been good defensively, but they've but, been, but been slightly below average. Is sort of. But he's been so good, it. right? And the offense been so good, and you can, you can win matter. when you're slightly yeah. below average. But right now they're dead last. Like they're the worst defense in the league through three weeks. So that's going to be a problem if they're genuinely that bad defensively. There's a chance they don't win the division. I would expect them to get slightly better defensively as the season goes on. But there's a chance that they're actually that bad. Because here's, again, to use expected points added right now in the AFC West, Chiefs are still second in the league in expected points added. Broncos are third so far. Chargers are seventh. Like Through three weeks, the way the offenses have performed, the Raiders have the worst offense in this division. And it's not particularly close because they're 17th, and the other three are all in the top seven.
0: Uh, you're you're Mr. Chiefs guy. Would you go get Richard Sherman?
2: I'd go get anything.
0: Because <laughs> they, jo- they signed Josh. They signed Josh. like, wait, that's the wrong side of the ball. Even though he's been starting the practice, with, they don't need that guy. They need somebody who can stop
1: somebody.
2: Uh, are Justin Houston and Tom Lee <laughs> still available? Like, they can't make it any worse.
1: Raiders have cut some people recently. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Carl Joseph. Yeah, Carl Joseph might be out there. Yeah, come on. He knows Carl the division. Joseph can save the Chiefs.
2: Oh, but man, what, that would be funny. What's going to be more annoying to Raiders fans—the fact that they 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 may win a bunch of games, but then suddenly Patrick Mahomes only looks good against the Raiders? Well, that could happen. That could happen. He's not going to keep playing like this. Or this is who he's always been, and he's always so now been he's not YOLO. getting away with it? Yeah, like <laughs>
1: he's he's going to be fun.
2: He's got a little bit more Brett Favre in him than we thought he did.
1: <laughs> you sound way too concerned about Patrick Mahomes. I wouldn't yes! be concerned about What? Wouldn't Why wouldn't I be? Because it's Patrick Mahomes, and all we have seen is greatness from him. He's
0: fine. He still has a tricky body. He'll be good.
1: Like, he's we, fine. we've we talked about, okay, Patrick Mahomes hasn't been that good. He's still better as a ba- when he's playing poorly than, what, 25 other quarterbacks in the yeah. league? Like, okay, he's going to be fine. Like, just don't have the arm punt at the end of the game against the Chargers, yeah. and things will be fine. Or, Arthur,
0: or taking the chance against Baltimore near the end of the game and taking the bad chance and then well, it going the other way let's and
2: losing. Blame it on Clyde Don't <laughs> fumble the ball. I will I will also say that I I actually am more disappointed in just like you drafted this guy in the first round. You drafted a running back in the first round, and all I hear is Tyler in the back of my head going, You could have found a running back anywhere. You could have. That could have been just any defensive player.
1: Could have been Peyton Barber.
0: Clyde Edwards Hilaire was uh he was the Sexy fantasy
1: pick that year. Remember that? It's like, Oh, you got to get Clyde
0: Edwards-Alaire. If, if he goes past the fifth pick, there's
1: something wrong with yeah, you. He, take, take a first-round pick of the best offense in the league. You're damn right you should have
2: drafted <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Alaire. <laughs> it's guys, not your fault he sucked. He's five foot four and has ball security issues. What could possibly go wrong? I can't remember the exact number, but I, he had, like,
1: last year's rookie year, he had, like, 10 carries inside the five and didn't score on any of them. It was, like, a ridiculous number that he got... He got a few touches inside the five and like had the worst conversion rate of any running back in the league.
0: Are you bordering on my reactions to the Dodgers with your chiefs? It's a uh, little, is. Uh, you're yeah, fired up a of you over okay. here.
1: Fans of the best teams in their respective <laughs> leagues. And oh God, they lost two out of three.
2: The season's over. <laughs> no Marley way we could beat Roberts. the Cardinals. they won 67 this... straight games. I'm, I'm scared. guy's a bum. I am scared of a one-game playoff. Yes.
1: <laughs> Against the Raiders at home. All right, coming up next, we'll jump into the Monday night game because, uh-oh, the Cowboys might be
3: good. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Granny's grades? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. And let us know who deserves a higher grade. Quarterback sneak right up the middle. No signal yet. The Eagles think it's down, and they're running away with the ball, and they stop Prescott up the middle at the one-yard line. What were the emotions for you tonight? And we saw the anthem, A tear came down your your cheek a little bit. Maybe, I don't know if it was your tear or sweat, but... I think that was sweat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't, yeah. I don't remember crying. Definitely just appreciation and gratitude. I'm thankful
1: for just the opportunity to be back out there doing what I love. Uh, here in AT&T in front of the fans uh, with my teammates, it was special. Usually the National Anthem or pregame is the moments that I, that I take in, and that was
3: definitely one of them. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. The Dak Prescott quarterback sneak on fourth
2: down.
1: That was not ruled a touchdown on the field and they reviewed it and still didn't give him a touchdown. Is that the worst replay review in the history of the sport? I
0: thought the yeah, I thought it was a horrible replay review, but I thought the overhead one was easily to show that he scored the touchdown. The the side ones, okay, the whole thing but, oh, call on the field. When they went above it, it's like that guy's in the end zone. By like three feet. Yeah, but exactly. It was like what's going on? It was not like it wasn't even close. You don't have to look at another one other than that. If you want to say the side ones, I my son and I were watching, I'm like, eh, side one's hard because, you know, the, there's an eagle in front of him, so you don't really know where the ball is. Then, actually, the announcers go, well, the best angle is the, the overhead one. And they do the
1: overhead <laughs> one. I go, that guy's like, like you said, three feet in the end zone. How did they not look? Did the refs not get that angle? I have no idea how they determined that that was inconclusive evidence because that's as, that's as conclusive of an evidence as that was a touchdown as I've ever seen. The only thing it could have possibly been was did they blow the whistle to stop forward progress before that? But they did not blow the whistle until the ball had already been slapped out it was and stripped. picked up by yeah. the Eagles. Yeah. They didn't blow the whistle until then. So yeah. they did not no. call it for forward progress. It's the worst replay. It was horrible. Review I think and they took a long time seen. to be bad. Right? right. They took a long time to be bad. It took like seven minutes to get the call wrong. It was. Unbelievably well, bad. They
0: took so long. You've got the the official on there who they have as the expert official. Now they could be patching together different looks. <laughs> it's like no, there's one look. It's the look above the guy's head when he sli- slithers into the end zone and he's in there by like three feet before the ball comes out and he's broken the plane. It's a touchdown.
1: Half- you see his face on the bench when they said no <laughs> touchdown. It's like, uh, what? <laughs> Half of Dak Prescott's body is in the end zone, yes. and then he's got the ball extended yeah. out another like the length of his arms, and somehow that was it's it's one of the worst calls i've ever seen. So, on the Cowboys, should we start considering them in the top of the NFC? Should we start putting them up there with Green Bay, LA, and Tampa Bay? Solid running game?
0: No. Okay. No. I don't think they are. So, you do- Again, overreaction Tuesday. I from what i saw from the Rams, i cannot put them in that group and you know, I, I the first Green Bay game might end just up being like a complete fluke, and that was just whatever the hell that was in the first game. And there's tons better than we expected them to be. And again, we already saw Tampa against Dallas, and Dallas competed with them really well. I think Dan Quinn's done a good job. And last night it was absolutely ridiculous in terms of how Philly's offensive line played for good reason; they're all banged up. So I'm not yet ready to say defensively they're at the level of some of those other teams. They are Tampa Bay, who can't defend anyone, but the Rams. I think the Rams are better.
1: I well here's I think where the Cowboys could actually do this, could actually be an NFC contender is if this offense is going to be as good as it has been so far this year. Like that they've got a top 5 offense. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like we just talked about with the Chiefs so far under Patrick Mahomes in his career, the, the Cowboys don't have to have like a top 10 defense. If they have the 16th 17th best defense with the third or fourth best offense, that's a legitimate NFC contender. Now, are either one of those things going to be true at the end of the year? We'll see. They might end up as a terrible defense and the offense might end up being more like 8 or 9, but I think there's a chance. Like I think You like, put them with the Rams and the Packers right now? I think I might. Really? I think so far I would put them up there just because they've looked really good. The underlying numbers through 3 games are really good and if you if you believe in the NFL as a quarterback driven league, Dak Prescott's <laughs>
0: one of the best. Well, and if Washington doesn't come back, they're going to get in and they could actually have a home game because I, it, if that offense stays like it was last night, they're winning that division because yes. no one else is any good and Washington hasn't defended like they did last year. Now, if they start doing it, maybe, but they're going to win that division unless something crazy happens to Dak, um, which, you know, gets you the home game. Yeah, they they have a chance, you know, to f- live for the second week and then you don't know who they're going to play.
1: Sure. I I think they're. Maybe at the end of the day, they end up in that second tier with, like, San Francisco, Arizona, and teams that are not the top of the NFC. But I think there's a really good chance. I think it's more than just the Cowboys are going to beat up on a bad division. I think it's more than that. Like, last year, the NFC East was a joke. It was awful. I think it's more than that this year. I think it's going to be the Cowboys are legitimately a good team and have a chance to win the NFC this year.
0: All right. I got to ask you because even Peyton was making fun of this, and I was screaming at the television as you know I am apt to do. What was? Why did McCarthy take a timeout?
1: Into the first half.
0: Yeah, I I, I remember the season. I wasn't at the game. I remember the season when they won the Super Bowl under him. I don't know if you remember. Was and Jared might remember this. Was it just a case as they they outplayed whoever their co- what their coach was? Because I don't think he's a good coach at all and i don't remember that season when
1: they won it to where i thought i won either way like whether he's a good coach or not or they were just good they were the year they won it in green bay under mccarthy they were they were a wild card team that was when they won it okay, as a wild so. card and I, if i remember correctly that was The Packers defense that year like led the league in takeaways or something like they weren't exactly good defensively they just they got a lot of interceptions and fumbles ton of turnovers and Rodgers was good it was the it was actually the I think the year after that I think they was the year they went fifteen and one and that was the year they were like unbelievably good and then blew it in the playoffs so the year they actually won it I think it was just. I NFL. just don't think he's a good coach. I'm sorry. Yeah. It has
0: nothing to do with, well, it has something to do with last night and why he didn't call a timeout, but different things I see, I'm like, I don't know if it he's was, good.
1: The Eagles had third and 24 with a minute and 51 yeah. seconds to go. With Dak the Prescott. Cowboys had multiple timeouts. Yeah. Do not take a timeout before third and 24. Let the Eagles run it down. And then there's 50 seconds left on fourth and five or whatever it was. Does not take a timeout. let the Eagles run it down and punt it away. And he just, he just threw away an offensive possession. And the best part of it, you see the referee walk over with about 30 plus seconds left to Mac yes. McCarthy, and now you can't see what the ref says, but you see McCarthy look at the scoreboard. Yes, and then wave it off. Then turn back to the ref and say, "I'm good." Yeah, and then wave it off. Even the ref was like, "Shouldn't you be taking a timeout yeah.
0: here?" It was the the one between the one before the third down was just yeah. absolutely. There's a, a minute 51 I if, left. I don't know if it's greasy. I don't know who said it's like. Uh, is he take time out? And I wasn't watching the Manning thing, but I was on Twitter right away. And I guess Manning, who oh, knows Peyton. him really well, was like
1: totally ripping him. Peyton flipped. Uh, Peyton was furious with it. He's like, "Why aren't they calling a timeout? Like, what the hell are they doing?" And it wasn't thirty. It's like a minute fifty. Right, which is 50. with that offense, yeah. that's that's a ton of time. We just saw Aaron Rodgers get in field goal range in thirty seven <laughs> seconds. Oh, well, Derek Carr got in field goal range in thirty something seconds in game in week one. Like, I don't know it's it's unbelievable. I now,
0: don't think he's good. <laughs>
1: On the Manning cast, did you see Eli Manning give two middle fingers? I saw it not live, but on Twitter. Does he, did he think there was like, uh,
2: he thought there if was I, enough of a delay yeah. that they could get graphics to put blurs over him and it's over like, him? that's yes. not how it works.
1: On, a... on live television, he said, we can blur this, right? And then threw up double <laughs> middle fingers. And it's like,
2: eh, no, that's not how this works. Not how this works, so, Eli. There's no red button to push. Like, if I pushed it right now, there's a delay. You know uh, how whenever there's a streaker, they cut away? Oh, yeah. That's not because they're like, let's not, like, part of it's let's not give him attention. But the right. other part is, if his wang's hanging out, we got nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> what was the context to what he did it for? He was talking about playing in Philly and getting flipped off by a nine-year-old. Oh. And then when, Beautiful. They, when they came back from break, he apologized and then was like, well, a nine-year-old did it to me. So I thought it was okay. <laughs>
2: They're off for three
1: weeks.
0: Right.
2: I saw people on
3: Twitter
0: saying, "Give these guys as much money as they want." I said, "Hold on, they're okay with the money part. They probably just want a break. They're okay. They don't need to get paid that much."
2: I did enjoy the uh, Fox, the Fox preview with Cooper Manning and Frank Stallone, and like (laughs) they got basically they got all the crappy brothers together. (laughs) It's like a we could do it too, but they like they knew it was a joke. They're not as funny. No.
3: All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Our stats hogwash? Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Grainy. We are happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. Subscribe to The Distraction on Stitcher and use the promo code DISTRACT for a free month of Stitcher Premium.
2: Good morning, David. David. Hey, how are
1: you? Good. Um, who are you more likely to take medical advice from, Nicki Minaj or Bradley Beal?
4: <laughs> I'd really have to know uh, like, more about Bradley Beal's cousin's family's health history. <laughs> Just like um, if there's any anecdotes involving swellings or... Or uh, buboes, pustules of any kind. I think that would be important. <laughs> Bill seems very confident. Uh, he's that's the guy that, that has like read uh, ten thousand Instagram posts and become a genius right there. He's got a, a real high level of certitude.
0: Is it is it easy to just throw all this off as just nonsense? Do you believe any of this when you say that uh, when you hear them that they truly believe this? And how silly is that when you hear these kind of reasonings?
4: It's hard to know what to say with that. You know, like because I think at this point. Like, I believe that he believes it, I think, to a certain extent. I think there's some of this – I was watching that Andrew Wiggins press conference yesterday, and it was a real weird spectacle in a bunch of ways just because, like, he couldn't and wouldn't really say what he believed. He was like, I'm sticking to my beliefs. And people were like, what about those beliefs? And he would be like, that's hippo. I can't tell you that. Like, whatever. (laughs) And and yet, like, so that is a guy who's, like, maybe stubborn and maybe, like, also – doesn't appreciate being badgered uh, by the press about a decision he made, which is, like, basically every person, you know, is like that, more or less. Beal has got a whole—there's, like, a worldview there, and there's nothing behind it. I mean, it's just, like, it's junk science and weird suspicion and stuff like that. Ditto for, like, the stuff about Kyrie believing in microchips or whatever. I haven't seen that spelled out anywhere, and to the extent that I know Kyrie's worldview, it's actually— you know, it's weird, but it's pretty coherent. Like, you could meet people on the street in Brooklyn that are like that. Uh, like, but I don't know where you go with any of it. I mean, to a certain point, like, it's like if 90% of the league is vaccinated, then, like, that's decently safe. I would like to see these guys do it just because, like, I don't think anybody should be getting sick or risking spreading this stuff or whatever, but it's hard to see how you move any of that stuff beyond, like, eventually these guys get sick of losing game checks and sick of not playing. And like, it's like it's worked everywhere there's been a mandate. It's like people complain about it. And, like, you know, all these cops were threatening to resign in Massachusetts. So far, it's one guy out of 2,200 Massachusetts state <laughs> troopers has actually done it. So I think most people are like
1: that. Uh, the Rolling Stone had a story where they talked about Kyrie Irving and Jonathan Isaacs of the Magic, but they also talked to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and he gave quite a few quotes. One of them was by not encouraging their people to get the vaccine, they're contributing to these deaths. And I guess my thought is, or question is, do you think we'll see a current NBA player, a teammate of Kyrie Irving or Bradley Beale or Jonathan Isaacs, say something that damning, say something that sort of stark as to, hey, you're costing people their lives by being this much of a moron?
4: I think probably not, but I think that's a that's a really interesting question. Like I hadn't thought about it that way because so much of it is, it's diplomatic. And so there were a lot of people yesterday that were like, yeah, I was really happy to get it. Like a lot of people in my family were sick or like, you know, Carl Anthony Towns gave, like, I had a whole, you know, like Al Pacino and the Devil's Advocate style monologue where he just covers like the last sweep of his terrible couple of years. And like, there's, it's clear that that sentiment is there. I don't know that anybody, this is the thing that's kind of weird about it is that, for the most part, it seems like the 90% of the league that's vaccinated is like every team except for its highest paid and best known player. And that's a really weird situation to be in that, like of the people that we know are not taking it and are resistant. There's like a couple of role player guys on the Celtics, but then the rest of it is like, it's all NBA dudes. It's, you know, it's Kyrie and it's, I mean, like to the extent that we know any of that, it's like, very prominent players and I think it's gonna be harder in some ways like for like whoever gets through to Kyrie Irving you know what I mean like who has leverage for him
0: I delight like that Isaac said Rolling Stone completely misquoted him like what
4: <laughs> yeah it's like, so, so specific that it's like story you, felt weird to me like I have to say that it seemed like they were kind of like taking something that maybe exists and then just kind of goosing it and goosing it and then yes there's those incredible like flame-on Kareem quotes that, like, whatever. I mean, he's a professional writer. Like, you should be able to give a good quote. But it was weird. That was the part of the story that was most pointed. And then the rest of it was, like, some say that others have said that Kyrie Irving, like, <laughs> eats incense. He doesn't even light it on fire. He just eats it. No one knows why. You know, it's just like... And there's something I wouldn't believe about Kyrie Irving, for the most part. But also, like, you gotta show me more than that for me to really believe it.
0: All right, so tell us, please, you've seen the Adele commercial with Belichick and uh, Brady. <laughs> yes.
4: It's incredible, especially because neither one of those guys is going to give any fodder for that. And so if you want to make it this, like, really big, sweeping, you know, like, everybody's getting back together thing, and it's going to be Belichick being like, that's uh, New England Patriots information. And then Tom Brady just being like, every raspberry is a heart attack waiting to happen. Never eat any fruit or whatever it is that people believe now.
1: Uh, is there any two former players that Major League Baseball could use to do a Manning-Cast-style event every week during the baseball season?
4: That's a really good question. I I don't know who the most, like, because there's guys that are that are sort of funny, and I think that, like, almost anyone, if you got them together and they were just sort of, like, talking about baseball, like, even the guys that you hear, like, for me, I really liked Smoltz as an analyst early in his career, and now he's just, like, he's so clearly thinking about golf the entire game. Like, he's just miserable in there, like every, every moment of every broadcast. But if you can get to these guys, even Schilling was a really good analyst when he talked about pitching. I think that, like, if they were just talking about baseball, that could work. But that seems like it's a really time-limited thing, so you'd have to just keep swapping them out. Like, the Manning brothers do seem to enjoy uh, giving each other the business over Zoom. And, you know, like, as somebody with a sibling, I respect and appreciate that. It's a, you know, longstanding art form. But I don't know how that works if it's just like, if you just throw, like, Chipper Jones and Ryan Klesko in there, like, halfway through (laughs) some game, they're going to get bored and start talking about hunting, and then it's over.
0: Were you surprised? I was surprised yesterday. I was actually surprised when uh, Otani came out and said, well – I've got two years left, but I want to win. And it was like the first time I've ever heard him say very much. And never mind, like, actually, not a shot at the Angels, but almost like this guy has an opinion that he doesn't want to be there.
4: Yeah. I think whether he wants to be there or not, you can definitely tell. We've been having kind of a good time at work, like, following the highlights of these games because they they could not be less significant. Like, even by Angel standards, these games are barely happening but they are just letting him rock right now. Like he threw like 118 <laughs> yes, pitches yes, the other day. Yes, yes. He's throwing a splitter, which he, <laughs> like wisely, he gave these um, quotes after like the first time he used it where he's like, yeah, if you throw a split finger fastball all season long, you'll get hurt. But you know, like I thought I would be fun and there's only a couple of stars left and like no one can hit it. Like he's still <laughs> doing all the cool stuff that he did. He's just doing it for like 600 people and like a school group at, <laughs> at that like weird stadium they have. And I think that, like, you can see that he's, like, fired up and, like, excited to, you know, just be having the season that he's having. Right. But, like, yeah, you're, you're definitely right that that's more, I mean, for sure that's more than, like, Trout has ever said. And, like, right. not to say that either one of them doesn't want to win or whatever, it's just, like, it is encouraging. Because, like, Otani, like, part of the appeal there is that he never really says anything. He just kind of does cool stuff and, like, looks hot. And like, yeah, I'm sure he wants to win. Like, wouldn't you like if the alternative was like doing what he's doing now and like hitting a home run and striking out 10 guys in a game that everybody forgets as it's happening. Uh,
1: So if he changes teams, is there a team you would want to see him on that it would be more entertaining on?
4: I mean, that's like pretty much anywhere, but I think (laughs) that like there's a bunch of, I think an American league team is the ideal for him. Like. And my first thought, just selfishly as a Mets fan, is that he must not be permitted to come to the Mets. Like, they would do something. They would try to make him a second baseman. Like, there's some sort of He would get in a feud with, like, a local radio guy, and, like, Craig Carton would wind up assaulting him after a game. Like, you can't. It can't happen. But I don't know where, like, I guess, like, you know, that is a good media market. Like, the Angels have a lot of good players on it. It just feels like that's not where it's going to be. I mean, I think that the ultimate for me, like, just I don't know how this could possibly come to pass, would be to have him and, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. on the same team. Just because as a lover of home runs and as someone who doesn't like having to use the remote control more than less, it would be nice to just put that on and then see the three coolest home runs that are going to happen on any given night uh, just happen in that game.
1: Uh, should we be celebrating Joe West's retirement?
4: Yeah. Oh. Uh, there's a whole series of. I mean, you can celebrate however you like. Different traditions observe it in different different ways. Uh, I cannot wait to not have to see Joe West do his thing. This was one of my coworkers referred to him as the protagonist of baseball, which is like how it's clear that that's how like West sort of understands it. Which is like you know everybody's got their own views on how important their job is or isn't. But man, like a weird showboating guy with that. Uh, physique and attitude, like, just, it's addition by subtraction. Like, you could, like, I'm I'm not a big robot ump guy, but you could replace him with just, like, any robot. Like, the robot from Short Circuit. Like, the (laughs) stunt one that doesn't turn on, just prop that up behind home plate and the vibe would, by about 100%.
1: Well, he is David Roth from The Defector David, as always. We appreciate
4: it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Thanks, David.
0: I've been paying too close attention to the pennant races.
4: Yeah, Joe West is going to retire
0: at uh, the end of the season. I did not know. I've been paying too close attention to other things. My, I did not know that.
1: My only hesitancy with like celebrating a bad umpire retiring... Is there's probably a worse one that's going to take his place next year. Well, I was going to say, like, just pick and choose on that one because I mean, it's not like it, Joe West is the only bad one. He's just he's just like the more flamboyant. I'm going right. to be the star of the yeah. show when he's bad. It's my game, but yes. there are other umpires that are actually worse
2: at calling the game oh. than Joe West, so it doesn't actually improve the quality of umpiring. He's at a podium and he's he's crying and he's like, you know, it's been it's been an incredible forty years being this, and then he's like, and now. Angel Hernandez. And Angel Hernandez walks up and goes, don't worry, guys. I'm I got not it. going anywhere. <laughs>
0: well, the umpire score scorecards every day are just absolutely laughable. Oh, what a They're Twitter just, account. What a Twitter account. It's just laughable. For those of, those of you that calls.
1: don't know, there's a Twitter oh. account, ump scorecard, and it just tweets out. It tweets out every morning the games from the day right. before. Just like a report card on umpires mm-hmm. on the percentage of calls they got right, the percentage of calls that they got wrong, And it'll show you the specific ones and then it'll highlight by like win or run expectancy, which calls cost teams the most runs over the course of a game. It's it's phenomenal, and I'm amazed that somehow the MLB umpires uh, union has not gotten yeah. that Twitter account banned. It's like they're
0: <laughs> or, or been like proactive and said Joe missed 17 more calls, so maybe Joe does need to retire. It's almost like if you looked at that every day, you're like, and it's the same umpires who horrible. It's like, do you evaluate these
1: people? Because whoever's running this account certainly does. It's I. There's no. They look at it and probably say, "Oh, good. He missed some more calls. Keep him at the top of the list for the World Series yes. this year." <laughs> but I'm like, "Listen, the MLB union, or the umpires union, excuse me, has like unreasonable amount of power to where like we yes. can't get robots oh. in here. It's the best the, union to the point where like if you go to a baseball game live in person, you can you can like never see a replay of a ball strike call. Like they, they won't. They'll probably throw the guy out that runs yeah. the replay video board at a ballpark if you did." And yet, this umpire Twitter account exists, and it's like the biggest indictment on umpires you've ever seen. Because it's just a quick Look, snapshot of, oh, he got eighty nine percent of the calls right, and it's like that's just not acceptable.
2: Don't forget, you can still go to MajorLeagueUmpires.com and get the Joe West collection <sighs> if you want to be a up. Um, if that you his... want to be a, the next big umpire, is that his mask? He's he's got his mask. He's got Jeez. his. Uh, You can get his chest protectors. You can get his official hat. Joe West official hat. Ed, you need a new hat?
0: No, I do not need a new hat. I'm okay. I'm okay on the hat situation.
1: All right, coming up next, the Golden Knights have another preseason game tonight. We'll jump Moy into Peyton Krebs and whether or not he can make the roster.
3: Is Tyler a know it all? Can you prove him wrong? Call the press box voicemail and let us know 702 720 4678. Deals left and now in the middle. Here's Dugan to the right for Connor. Score! Top left corner from Paul Connor, and Vegas is on the board. Three minutes into the second period. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff.
1: So, one of the good parts about being a team that is a true championship contender is the Golden Knights don't really have many holes on the roster. Now, As far as preseason talking points, preseason conversations, there's not a whole lot of interesting things to talk about with this team. But Peyton Krebs does exist. And there is a chance Peyton Krebs makes a push and finds his way onto the opening day roster. We have seen in practice, uh, he's played on a couple different lines, but he did play as a winger on a line with Peyton Krebs and Nick Waugh. He is in the mix for playing either on the third or more likely the fourth line. At this point, but he's going to have to beat out, you know, a Brett Howden, a Nick Waugh, Keegan Colasar, William Carrier to make that push. Uh, He played in the preseason game. Uh, Initially, he was on the uh, third line in that game. But after Mark Stone's injury, they had to move guys around and and double shift guys. But um, he gave this quote that was in the review journal. If you're good enough, they'll speaking about the Golden Knights, they'll make room for you. That's the biggest thing. If they think you're ready, you'll play. And if you stay up to start or you don't, if you get your opportunity, show that you're ready, you'll play. Obviously, there's a lot of great players. I'm going to push them to be the best they can, and I expect them to do that for me too. So I guess the question is, do you think the Golden Knights are going to think Peyton Krebs is good enough to open the season on the roster?
0: I think they're going to think he's good enough. I think he's the one guy who makes it. Let me ask you this, because we've talked about, and you've talked about extensively about the lack of scoring in the fourth line, and Kolesar, uh had goals um,
1: Apparently, Colas are very good in practice. Yeah, very scoring. good in
0: practice. Um, is it too simplistic to think if you're trying to do what you said all along in terms of the fourth line that Carrier's the odd man out? I think that's fair.
1: Um, I will say, so here's the interesting part with William Carrier. He gets into good positions a lot. Like, he's probably quicker than most people realize, and he's able to create some sort of one-on-one half chances, but he's not, like, much of an actual finisher. Right? I don't mind Will Carrier on a line and saying, yeah, they could produce some goals for us. Carrier is probably not the one that's going to score them, but he can help create some stuff. But yeah, I think that's a. I mean, if you. Okay. If we go into this year, the top two lines are the same. And then the third line is Nolan Patrick at center with Jan Mark John and Donald on the wing. Right. That leaves your fourth line as some combination. Nick Waugh can play center, Brett Howden can play center, Peyton Krebs can play center, mm-hmm. technically Kolasar can play center. Those four and Will Carrier. It's those five names competing for that, uh, the three spots on the fourth line. I think if you're the Golden Knights looking at it, what are you trying to accomplish if you put Peyton Krebs on the roster? I think if he's on the fourth line, it's because you're looking to get offense out of that fourth line.
0: Are you taking away physicality? Because remember last year with the whole number of hits and Reeves and Carrier, and that's kind of what they're known for. Do they? Is it more important for them to get someone like Krebs on a line to maybe can to create more scoring from that line? And you're going to take away a little of physicality, or yeah, is I think that
1: got to be fine taking away the physicality?
0: Okay, I mean, all right. Carrier and Reeves—they they were didn't... the big. That was the stat all about them. Yeah, you know, they leading this and hits, right, leading that and hits.
1: Nothing they're doing really, truly helps the team win, like. Just running around hitting guys right. for thirty right. seconds my, and then getting ask. off the ice. So it'd be it would be a whole new look fourth line. Right. And so I think if that's their goal is to get offensive production from the right. fourth line, then Krebs probably makes a lot yeah. of sense. Now, the other curious part there though is you have five names there, and yeah. depending on exactly how the salary cap works out, the Gold Knights could conceivably actually have some extra skaters this year. Would you keep Peyton Krebs on the roster but have him as one of the first healthy scratchers? Yes. You would? I would. I would not send him. So you wouldn't send him to the AHL just to play? Like, just to say, hey, you're not in the opening day lineup. Go to Henderson and play games. No. One one
0: guy I want to ask about this real quick before we go to the break because he he keeps being brought up. Um, Talk to me a
1: little bit quickly about how He's I, to me he's I mean, probably just going to be a solid fourth line center that can play on the wing or that can bump up to the third line when there's injuries but I don't think you're going to expect I, I don't think you're getting Chandler stevenson type production right. out of him or anything. I think he's just going to be a solid bottom six player and perhaps a scratch. Right. And yeah, and maybe he's one of the guys that gets, you know, he's up in the press solid. box during the games because Peyton Krebs was great right. or right. Kolasar scored. Would you keep Peyton Krebs if he was a scratch? Not I don't think he'd be
0: scratch every night right. but for the uh, routinely.
1: Yeah, I probably would. I would and do. the other part of this conversation and we do this every year. There's so many injuries in hockey that Krebs might be forced into the lineup in right. game 1 because there's four guys yeah. hurt.